It's time for some inside animation. With your host, Adam Sartain. Today's guest, creator Mike Smollett. And now, here's your host, Adam Sartain. And we're back, everyone. Welcome to the fourth season of Inside Animation. I am your host, Adam Sartain. Happy 2024, everyone. And today, our first guest of the season, we have a friend of mine whom I've worked with quite a bit, Mike Smolev. He is a creator of a a series that he's been on a journey, and we'll get into that. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, animated series creator. So welcome, Mike. Thank you, Adam. Thank you for having me. Thank you for finally coming on the show. (laughs) Oh, were you trying to get me on the show before? I have been trying. I had been trying to get you on the show, but you're like, oh, it's not ready yet. Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Oh, my God. I don't even remember. Oh, God. (laughs) Okay. Well, now. Yeah. What? What? Wait till I've done more on it. <laughs> oh, God. Well, anyway, now it's really in good shape. I mean, now it's like really, you know, we know really what it is now. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And we'll, I, I guess we can start with, because I have a sometimes segment on my show called How Do We Know Each Other? Because sometimes I have guests that I've known before I invited on the show. And we know each other because I worked for you. Yes. <laughs> Which is you hired me way back. How long ago was it? I think, I, yeah, I think the first one was 2018. And, and it might, it, it was, I think it was published in 2018. So I don't know. It may have started at the end of 17. I don't remember. Right. You, I don't even remember how, like, was it, did you post on like Actors Access or something like that? Yeah, it, I posted on Actors Access and Backstage.com. And I think, I think I, you probably submitted to both places. Uh, backstage, because I don't, I don't do Backstage. Oh, you don't do Backstage? Okay, yeah. well then, it's, so it must have been Actors Access. But yeah. then, yeah, and like I said, I mean, you had the great, uh, uh, the great submission you had right in the beginning of your submission. You said able to do 50 impressions. I yeah. remember, you know. <laughs> And now, of course, that's grown to I can do 89 different impressions, accents, etc. Right. I think, yeah, I think I think your thing said over 50. So it was, you know, so, um, yeah, that's what made me. I mean, you know, you get, you know, a thousand submissions for these things, you know, so yours stood out immediately. And I just looked at yours and you, you know, you were obviously way at the top of the list. And, you know, I probably, you know, you probably auditioned for me or something. But, yeah, you got the role and, you know. It's been uh, the rest of history. Yeah. 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 A lot of roles. Yeah. But yeah, the the main uh, grody role. So let's let's talk about this show. You've been developing the show now for five, six years, seven years now. Uh, Probably like five. Five We just yeah, we just started 2024. So, yeah, it was probably the end of 17, probably. So whatever that 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, I don't know. Three, oh, maybe five, six. I don't know. 
and it's an animated series and yes. it was originally called it was originally called too beautiful for this planet right and, and that I was said, that was too that's too long of a name <laughs> you should change it yeah and i like that name but you know <laughs> it, it the, it was a different setup then because the original concept was, you know, it was the four Hunk and Grody and Candy and Summer Spring. And the original concept was that it would be like a four, uh, you know, like a four ensemble cast. Right. And the original concept was that, you know, Candy and Summer Spring would have like equal screen time to Hunk and Grody. Oh. I didn't I didn't show that in the, the those two initial ones that we did. I, yeah. Because I thought Hunk and Grody were like the main draw. Right. Yeah, but so then I but the plan was, yeah, to have equal screen time for them. And it was going to be like hunking, like hunk and hunk and candy were a couple and Grody and Summer Spring were a couple and they all lived together. They all shared the apartment together. Right. And then it just I started to as I did those short episodes, I didn't have enough. You know, I didn't have a big enough budget to do like a 30 minute episode then. And so I just f focused on hunk and Grody for those first two episodes. And I just realized that, like, they were the ones driving the show. So I just. I thought Candy and Summer Spring doing more shenanigans on top of Hunk and Grody's shenanigans, which is kind of redundant. And I, frankly, I think it, it feels better to have Candy and Summer Spring as the foil. As yeah. the, oh, my God, these guys are such idiots. You right. Know? right. Yeah, we'll swoop in and, and save them. Later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. And it's, it's like it, it's just like basically at this point, it's just like a buddy's traditional buddy sitcom it just happens to be an animated sitcom but it's just a buddy sitcom right. you know but yeah i think it it does work better this way because hunk and grody are really the i think they're the main draw of the show right and so then you know i just changed the name to hunk and, the hunk and grody show there you go yeah hunk and grody so you went a very different route compared to most other people as far as trying to get this developed and out there how did that first pilot come about well see i mean i'm really i'm really not even an animation guy i mean i i don't know i didn't i never read comic books or anything like that i'm a live action guy and i had made some like a handful of live action sketches over the many many millions of years that i've been you know alive and i could never get good audio i always hired somebody else to do audio and i i never liked the audio that i was getting so I finally said, you know what? I'm going to just try animation just because I know I'll be able to get good audio. You better and, get good audio for animation. <laughs> right. And I know everybody's going to be right up on the mic and, you know, it's there's not going to be any problem with the audio. So I just created a show that was, uh, you know, that I that I could do as an animated show. And I just I knew from having lived in L.A., I, you know, and, and tried to do it many, many, many years ago. That you just can't you you can't get anybody to look at anything, you can't get anybody to read a script, you certainly can't pitch a, a TV show unless you already have connections or an agent or something. So I just I just tried to make a short that was going to be like a pilot. The first one was supposed to be animated. It ended up not being animated because I bit off more than I could chew. It was an animatic, uh, yeah. It, yeah, it was like an it was an animatic, yeah. And uh, but I had this like big you know goal to like get it animated and i just couldn't do it i just totally bit off more than i could and I, I always you know like i guess a lot of people do this i talked about it like it was going to be like animated and i always assumed that it would but i hadn't really i didn't really realize how expensive it was going to be so i just kind of like i just kind of like went into it without really knowing what i was doing 
So I did that one, trying to make it as a short, trying to like some, I was planned, the plan was to submit it to like festivals and try to get discovered, you know, as, as a short or, or pilot that way. And then I couldn't get it animated, you know, so then I just. And because you couldn't get it animated, you couldn't get it in the festivals. Right. So then I did the second one and the second one that was animated, the, the uh, Ticket Studs episode. Right. That one, I really think I made a mistake with that one because I should have just redone the first one and animated it. Because that first one was more like a more of a pilot. This ticket studs one didn't explain as much. It didn't set up as much. It just kind of went more into like a regular episode. Yeah. 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 So I kind of but then I, I at the same time, though, I kind of had this thought that, well, you know, I'll have two episodes out there. If I do this one different ticket studs is a different episode from the, the chair episode. So I, I said, well, I'll just do a different episode. So at least there's two episodes out there so people can start to see if they actually look at it, that it's a, it's, it is an episodic series, you know. So that kind of went into the decision to do a, a separate one. But then what happened is I couldn't really submit it as a pilot anymore because it was like an episode two and it wasn't a pilot. So I kind of screwed up that one. My, you know, I, I screw up a lot of things, you know. So I just finally I got so angry that I couldn't get anybody to look at any any of those episodes because I knew they were good. I knew they were viable. And I got kind of angry that nobody would look at them. So I just went all the way and I just went with the 30 minute one. And I just thought, I'm just going to do it. And again, I tried to get it animated and I, you know, I couldn't get it animated. So I ended up just doing it. You know, the thing that's on my website now is just kind of a prototype. And you also tried some different ways to get eyeballs on it, right? <laughs> I don't know. How what many do you... people would use billboards, right? Oh, that's true. Yes, yeah. that's true. <laughs> yes, I forgot. Jeez, I forgot about that. Yeah, I did that during COVID, during the pandemic. And the billboards, I found out the billboards were dirt cheap then. Yeah. Because nobody was advertising. So I did, yeah, I spent some money on, I did a billboard campaign in LA. And I remember, because I used to, when I lived in LA before, I lived in Studio City. So I knew the whole Ventura Boulevard, that route there between Studio City and like the end of Sherman Oaks, like the Coldwater Canyon. That was my old stomping ground. So I know that whole thing. So I just owned Ventura Boulevard. I had like a whole handful of billboards on Ventura Boulevard because they were dirt cheap because nobody was using them during the pandemic. Right. So I just, I had a lot of billboards and yeah, I, I thought my plan was, that was in, I think it was the summer of 2020. Did, oh did, yeah, yeah. Did the, I think it started in, in March of 2020, the pandemic. So, so I, it was the summer right. then. Right. That's right. Yeah. You know, I had this plan that like, I knew that none of the actual producers would look at it, but I thought the assistants would look at it. They would see the billboards and they would look at it and they, so maybe it would have a chance that they would tell their, their bosses or whatever, but it didn't happen. Right. I got, you know like a whopping 75 views out of my videos from that, you know, there were supposed to be like millions of impressions from all these billboards. And, but it, my views went up by like 75. So even at least like, you know, regular people just curious, one wanting to know what it is. No, <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's amazing. I mean, you, you really, you can't get anybody to look at anything. So that I, I was pretty discouraged by that too. Yeah, that's another thing. I was discouraged by that. And I, so I just said, you know what? I'm just going all the way. I'm going to do a 30 minute episode. It's going to be an origin story pilot. And that's, that's what the big one, the big 30 minute one that's on my website is that where like, I just, I was angry. I was angry that I couldn't get anybody to look at the show. And I didn't, oh, you know, the thing is like when we were starting doing those first two you know, I didn't know it should it be an 11 minute show? Should it be a 30 minute show? I didn't really know. So I was just kind of, you know, really kind of figuring out what it was. 
I just realized because I don't watch a lot of the stuff. I don't watch it. And right. and you know, the eleven I re I kind of realized as I went, I learned it as I went that like the, the eleven minute shows are mostly just like pedal to the metal for eleven minutes. They go bouncing off the walls, you know, totally, you know, high energy slapstick, you know, for eleven minutes. And the 30 minute ones mostly I think are kind of slower paced you know and they're they're less slapstick at least that's my impression and they're more like a traditional sitcom it's still got a few good little slapsticky parts but yeah yeah, yeah. but it's like the, the the only ones that i you know like i know the simpsons and i know like i've seen some episodes of like squidbillies right and i knew like i know ren and stimpy i know ren and stimpy pretty well because i used to watch ren and Stimpy. that's how old i am i mean i used to watch ren and stimpy Idiot. yeah so ren and stimpy is like you know pedal to the metal for 11 minutes and they just yeah. like you know and i just say you know that my show the hunk and grody show was never like that it was always more about a plot than about you know gags and slapstick stuff so i just thought it's probably better as a 30 minute show anyway so you know it just kind of grew from there but i mean it's kind of a it's taken me all these years you know for whatever handful of years to get it to this point but the trade-off is that at this point i think i have a pretty good idea of what it is i don't think there's a whole lot of development left to do right so well, that's you, a, you even ran into some uh, even more pitfalls not just finding a way to get eyeballs on it but you actually got scammed didn't yeah, you? yeah yeah i did and i had a guy well i i mean i got scammed you know even with the second one, when I was trying first trying to find somebody to animate, even the second one, you find these animators and you have a zero budget and you're trying to find people who will, you know, just want to get in on the ground floor. But, you know, most of them just frankly, a lot of people don't even want to do a show. I, like this is another thing I learned. I couldn't believe it. Mo a lot of animators are happy to do just like, you know, explainer videos. Yeah. And they do like one a week and that's all they do. And then they like the rest of their time they spend playing video games or something. They, that's all they want to do. And I, I could never, I was like, what, what, don't you, wouldn't you rather be doing a real show than doing explainer videos? And a lot of them are like, no, they, they, they just want to do, you know, and that I, that, I couldn't believe that. So I, I ended up, you know, testing a lot of people and giving people some money to do test animation for me and stuff. And you just blow through a lot of money that way. And so I ended up spending a lot of money on that. And then by the time I got to this one guy, when I was trying to do the 30 minute one, I, I ended up finding this guy in the one of the Adobe online forums for this one kind of software. They had this new software, this new animation software that I wanted to use because it looked like it was so it cut out a lot of the tedious work in animation. It was basically like a motion capture animation software. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was like this new software by Adobe. And so I was looking in the Adobe online forum for somebody who would use that software. And I happened to find this guy and like he was he was actually a, a former animator at Disney. And I don't think he was lying about that to this day. I think he was not lying about that. But he just he was just really incompetent. The problem is it was that it was a, a fake it till you make it thing. I knew that he was I didn't realize it at the time, but I realized that afterwards it was just kind of a fake it till you make it thing. He thought that he could do it, but he turned out he had never actually used the software. He was lying oh, to me about that. Yeah. And he just thought that because he had worked at Disney, he could animate this for me. And he just, he was kind of feeling his way through everything. And it was a fake it till you make it thing. And, you know, he, it turned out that he was incompetent too. And that's how I ended up realizing that it was just fake it till you make it thing, which is a scam. I mean, that is fraud. And if he had been able to pull it off, if he had been good, then I, I would have never found out. That if it was he had actually made it. But... Right. 
he right. faked it till he didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, and he so that's how I that's how I realized that it was this you know he, he was just lying about it, and I sued him, and he offered to do the thing for so little that I was able to sue him in small claims court. I mean, in California, because the limit at small claims court is low enough that nobody really takes it seriously. Nobody takes small claims court serious. Even the judges don't. Wow. And so I sued him in small claims court and I won and they ruled that he has to pay me back my money, but he's not paying it back. So that's right. another, I mean, that's another way, you know, that he's, a, he's not legitimate. And so I, I, I get, I don't know. I mean, I'm still kind of deciding if I'm going to go after that money or not. I mean, but I and learned that's, a, the other, that's the other unconventional thing is you're putting all all your own money has been put into this so far. It's well, all, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's I think a lot of people have to do that, don't they? I mean, actually, a lot of people raise money through crowdfunding or other means. Oh, really? Yeah. Yes. I, I don't know all that stuff. It's the old producers adage. Never put your own money in the show. I get, <laughs> that's yeah, the I number get. one rule of producing. I suppose. <laughs> What's the but number did, two rule? Never put your own money in the show. <laughs> what is that from? I don't even know what that's from. What? From the producers. Oh, that's from the producers? Yeah. Oh, I guess it, I guess I'd forgotten. Is that in the movie or is that yeah. in the play? It is? Oh, wow. I forgot that. With Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane. Well, the that's the that's the play, but the movie is Zero Mustel and well, Gene Wilde. Yeah, that's the original movie, but they made yeah. a movie of the musical. Oh, they did. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that I don't know. If, I don't remember if that was in the original Mel Brooks one or not. I don't know. I don't know if it was in the original one, but oh. it was in the musical and the movie. OK. The OK. Yeah, I didn't see those. I saw the original. There you go. Yeah. Look at you watching the originals of everything. <laughs> yeah, that's my thing. I don't know. I haven't seen a new movie in over a decade, Adam. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't watch it. I don't See, watch I it. always watch the ones that make the references to the old ones and I never watched the old ones. Oh my God. Well, I've watched some of the old, old movies. I have seen the original producers. Yeah. Part of it. I actually liked the musical better. <laughs> really? Me. Yeah. Well, the, the original movie has a one of the great opening scenes. It's I, I mean, I saw it so long ago, but I just it's a very long opening scene. It's I think it's like over 10 minutes long and it's just Zero Mostel and Gene Wilder just like bouncing off of each other. And it's it's magnificent. I mean, everybody loves Zero Mostel. I have to say this. I did not enjoy his acting. <laughs> really? I know. I know. I'm <laughs> I'm call me crazy, but like. I did not enjoy Zero Mustel's acting. Maybe wow. I maybe I need to watch it again or something. Yeah. Know. Yeah, he was amazing because, you know, he did the original Fiddler on the Roof, I think, in, on Broadway, yeah. I think. So, I mean, he was a real star. On the other hand, I love Gene Wilder and everything he has done. is just Yeah. Absolutely loved Gene Wilder. I, even in that movie, I loved his work. Yeah. But yeah. Something about Zero Mustel, it just did not ring. Really? Yeah. Wow. Anyway, getting back on topic. <laughs> okay. So where are you at now with Hunk and Grody? Well, basically it's, well, let me ask you this. What, what, like, what are you referring to? You mean like in the development process or in the trying to get eyeballs on it? Right. Process? In the development process and trying oh. to get eyeballs. Yeah. Oh, well, in the development process, it's, I think that's the pilot. I think that's the, the origin story pilot for the show. I have, a, you know, a notebook full of other, log lines for other episodes it got to be at least i don't know what three dozen other episodes log lines for them okay so i'll talk about the development of the hunk and grody show so i have 
the pilot. I think that's the origin story pilot. I got you have the, the script for the pilot, the script for the pilot, and the audio. I got the sound design. As right. far, I mean, you know, and, and you have like an, kind of an animatic, kind of an animatic. Yep. And then I got a notebook full of it, probably at least three dozen other log lines for other episodes. I was, and I, I started writing episode two, which made me miss the LA Animation Festival. And then I swear I must have manic depression or something because I didn't finish the whole episode. But I know what episode two, I mean, episode one really sets up Hunk. You get right. a, to know a little about Hunk. So episode two sets up Grody. And then at that point, it's this series is ready to go after episode two. I don't think there's any more setting up needed after episode two because we know who these two guys are. So then we just go into regular plots. You know, I mean, I know the backstory. I can make a series Bible. I know the backstory of all the characters. That's I have it written down, but I mean, I haven't put together the Bible yet, but it's I don't think that that would, it would be a major task. You know, I'm just I just started doing I'm trying to just get an agent. I, I know that the only chance I have to get it set up is to get an agent. I think a if I get an, agent. Yes. a literary agent, yeah, or a manager or a entertainment attorney, too. You can use that. Right. And so, yeah, I'm just I started to do stand up. Just I'm just trying to get an agent through stand up comedy. So I just did my first one on January 8th because it took me, I just got back to town, you know, the first week of September, I got back to town and it took me a couple of months to get everything set up. And I had to, you know, deal with some other personal stuff, you know, get everything set up. So I finally got rolling on January 8th. I did my first open mic at the Laugh Factory, you know, so I'm, that's where it is. I mean, I, I don't think there's any way to submit, you know, a pilot anywhere i mean i think there's some people might say there is some people might say there are contests and stuff like that script contests but i don't i don't think that anything ever comes of those things true true <laughs> especially the ones you have to pay for right yeah and that's another i mean it's the industry has become such an impenetrable fortress in the i mean i left la in 2009 and it wasn't like I mean, back then it wasn't like it is now right i mean back back then you could actually submit stuff and they would have somebody read it. Now, you know, the reader might be incompetent. I mean, you don't, you never know, but you know, at least they would have somebody read it, but now they don't even do that. I mean, everything is a, an industry referral now. Have you considered taking it on yourself and like crowdfunding and just putting it on YouTube? Well, I mean, to do this whole series that way, or do you mean like, yeah, I mean, that would be so hard because every episode takes so long and yeah. you'd have to, you have to have a real show you have to have a real crew like i don't know how many people are on the simpsons crew or whatever but it's i mean like just to do that one ticket studs episode that was fully animated was eight minutes long i mean that took over a year yeah because it, i mean there was only you know a few of us working on it and it, unless you have a real crew you can't really do a series like that on youtube so I don't know. I mean, I, I really don't know what to expect. I The industry is so different now than it was when I was around it. And I'm still kind of feeling it out. My right. plan for right now is just to see if I can get an agent through stand-up comedy, then I have a chance. If I can't get an agent, I feel like I have no chance. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, that's that's basically where it is. I mean, and well, nobody's nobody's looking at it. I mean, it has like 50 views, you know, and nobody's looking at it. So for now. <laughs> For now, yeah. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. Okay. McCurdy's Kitchen is an exclusive, invite-only, personal VIP experience run exclusively by the Rise Team of the 400s Building. From 100% pure gold-dressed Irish lamb and scallops 
to a traditional egg and pancake breakfast. We offer zero-gravity reclining massage chair seating, therapeutic lighting, coffee, tea, savory meals, and exquisite social skills. McCurdy's Kitchen is an Adam McCurdy, the Scotch-Irish producer, and Triumph Van Sponsoring Partnership. And thank you to our sponsor again, McCurdy's Kitchen. Thank you for renewing your sponsorship for the fourth season. And now we're back and let's go into my segment where I like to go back in time. Okay. You say this is your first foray into animation. Yes. But you've done, you've been in, in the business before. What... What was that like? You written for live action or how did that, how did that work? Well, yeah, I went to college in San Diego a thousand years ago and the day after graduation, I went up to LA and I remember everything in my life. So I remember all, you know, you graduate from college in June, whatever. And I went up to LA the next day in October, I got an internship at a, like a mid-level production company. And then in January of the you know, next year. It was so many years ago. But anyway, they, they got a greenlit picture at Disney. It was a live action thing. One of their, you know, production companies at Disney, their, the production company doesn't exist anymore. It was an action comedy. They got this thing green lighted. And it was just this, this total, you know, dumb luck thing. I happened to be, you know, in that place at the right time. And they gave me the job as the assistant to the director. So um, you can say you once worked for the mouse. That's right. <laughs> oh boy. I, I did. And so I was the uh, personal assistant to the director on a studio movie. That was my first industry job. So I, that was my film school. I learned how to, you know, how a studio movie works, live action movie works at the studio level. It's a long story. That's not a very happy story, but you know, at that point I thought, you know, my life was like taking off and I thought, you know, wow, it was, I, I got so lucky to get that job and everything. And then if, after that movie wrapped, my life just went in the opposite direction. <laughs> And it's, it went just right into the toilet. And so I ended up, you know, that movie wrapped and it's a long story, but I left that production and I made a short after that. I made a live action short. It was 26 minutes long. That's when shot it on film, eight millimeter film. That's when stuff was still made on film back then. That one I learned a lot on. I'm not real thrilled with the way it turned out, but it has its moments. But what happened is my life just went into the toilet at that point. And I, I just really kind of died emotionally. And I just kind of bounced around. After that, I didn't really have uh, anything serious in the industry. By then, it was about... But the, by then, it, oh, yeah, I mean, I don't even want to say these dates because I'll, I'm so old. I just kind of went in and out of the industry after that for, for like seven years. And just doing PA stuff and stuff. But I never, I mean, I, I was writing like uh, spec scripts and stuff like that, but I never got paid to write a script or anything like that. Right. And I just, I made some live action sketches, comedy sketches, stuff like that. But you were writing, you were writing things, you were creating things, you know? I was, yeah, I was creating things. And I, I wrote, I mean, I wrote probably like 10 feature length scripts back then, spec scripts. Uh, most of them were terrible, but I think two were pretty good. And one of them was really good. It was a comedy, a broad comedy. And um, I had... Who's the broad? Hey! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that when I... The, like the vice president of the company that I had worked for that had given me the job, you know, on the movie, he read it and he was very close to wanting to do it. But it was just... It was a very low brow. Back then I was doing low brow stuff because it was easy. 
and you know like dirty dirty stuff and uh, it was just too dirty and uh, but it was really good it was really well structured and uh, you know that was the best feature length script i ever wrote probably and but i just got so discouraged because my life had just become such a disaster that i kind of gave up and you know I was just writing spec stuff, but it's not like I was really getting anywhere. And so I, then I was gone. I left. I left. I, I lived in other states, you know, since then, uh, two, I guess, two different, three different states since then. And then I just, in 2022, my life just was hanging by a few threads and they all broke at the same time. And my family just said, you know, you have to find some reason to go on. So I said, well, if I'm going to go on, I'm just going back to LA and I'm going to try to get try to get my hunk and grody show set up and that's i don't know there's a lot more in that story but i don't know that's kind of the gist of it but yeah i mean it's not i don't really have a whole lot of uh resume in the industry or anything like that and it, i'm not a person who like you know creates just to create i mean i like if i have something really good i'll create it right. but i don't it's not like i write every day or anything like that I don't, i'm not really I consider myself more a critic than anything else. I'm really a critic and I hate most of the stuff. And I just, most of it, it's just like, I know I could do something better than that. So I just do it. But I don't really, I don't really consider myself any kind of an artist or anything like that. And yet you've been creating, you've been writing scripts and everything. You created Hunk and Grody, which yeah. in my opinion is a very good show and should be on the air. It, I know. I mean, I, that's the thing. I don't have any, I'm kind of a weird person because I, I don't have any doubts of like, I have all the self-confidence in the world and all the self-esteem in the world when it comes to making this kind of stuff. But like in every other realm of my life, I have like no self-esteem at all. And it's like, so you're a typical comedy writer then. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But I, I think a lot of comedy writers are very, they're insecure about their talents, you know, and they, Oh they, yeah, that's true about their talents. Know, yes. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, I don't have any problem with showing people my stuff. I mean, I want them to look at it. I know it's good. I want them to look at it. A lot of people are afraid to let people look at their stuff, you know, and right. I'm the opposite of that. I mean, I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm finally at the point where I'm so dead inside that I'm fearless about doing stand up. I never, I could never do stand up before because I was too self-conscious, you know, but now I'm sufficiently dead inside to just go out there and do it. I really don't care if anybody laughs at my material or not. I mean, I'm just, I, I'll just do it anyway. There you go. Yeah. So what cartoons or other animated series or movies influenced you when you were growing up? I know you have a very specific taste. So what, yeah. what were the things that you felt were really good? Well, it was really only the Simpsons. And I mean, I, I was, I'm old enough that I, I mean, when the Simpsons started, when the first episode, Santa's little, you know, they get Santa's little helper, you know, that the Christmas episode, I mean, I was, I saw that when it came out. I mean, that's how old I am. I mean, I was watching the Simpsons from the beginning. I saw every episode in the beginning. I mean, every episode until about like 1997 was just great. I mean, they, every single, they did like 26 episodes a season back then. And every single one of them was great. The golden age. As yeah. Yeah. And that, <laughs> yeah. And that was, that's really the only one. I mean, I, I saw Ren and Stimpy just because it was like it was on in the mid 90s and that's you know it was just on nickelodeon and you know i saw that but that was it i've seen literally i've seen only like a handful of episodes of south park south park i admire it i respect it i mean it's a unique show and the two, those two guys who created south park you know they created that show when they were like at 25 years old at mid 20s yeah. which is really impressive because most even the best sitcoms you know the best comedians who make the best sitcoms, they don't, they usually don't have it figured out until they're like in their late thirties. Yeah. 
So those guys, when they created South Park, they were like 25 years old. So they really had it figured out early, which is very impressive. And I admire that. I respect that. But it's not my kind of show. It's like a very dirty show, you know, and it's really not my kind of thing. So I was never into South Park, really. The other animated shows on Fox, I've just, I've, I don't, I just, I don't like them. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I like, you know, I, I don't like them. I never saw one episode of SpongeBob. I know the Flintstones just through osmosis, you know, but I mean, somebody once showed me an episode of Squidbillies and I thought it was really different and funny, but I've seen a few episodes of Squidbillies like on YouTube, but it's not like, I mean, I don't have, I don't have cable. I don't have a TV. I have not had a TV since I lived in San Diego, I think. I mean, I, I like don't watch TV. So I don't watch growing up when you were. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I know Futurama. I know, but only because it was created by Matt Groening. That's the only reason that I ever looked at Futurama. Right. And, and I don't know. I mean, I've seen literally probably only like 10 episodes of Futurama. Wow. And I mean, I, the ones that I've seen are like either they're tremendously brilliant or they miss the mark. And Futurama is has its moments. It's just brilliant, but it's like too smart for its own good. And that's why it's always had a hard time finding uh, an audience. But I, I found out that they just started doing it on Hulu again. I don't, I, did you know this? They just started doing another couple of seasons on Hulu. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I noticed that. Yeah. And I didn't I wasn't even aware of that until like two weeks ago. <laughs> but yeah, that's really all I know. I don't really know that's, anything, yeah. anything else. Yeah. I mean, I know live action stuff, but I don't know animated stuff. But that's the thing about me. That's interesting. Can, uh, yeah. Know. I consider myself, if anything, any kind of an artist that I would consider myself, it, it would be a screenwriter. Right. And it's just, I'm, I'm a plot guy and I'm a structure guy. And I... That's um, what's needed in animation. You need a plot. You need structure or it falls apart. Well, that's the thing. I watch a lot of stuff that has seems to me to have good animation and good... Some of it has... I mean, some of it has good art design. I think a lot of it has bad art design. Right. But... Um, you know, it's a lot of the people who do it are just, you know, they're maybe good at animating, but I just don't like a lot of the writing. I mean, the, you know, a lot of people think that you can just get away with having gags for 11 minutes or, or 22 <laughs> minutes and you can't, you need to have a plot. So that's my thing is that I approach it from the perspective of the script. I, I, I think, you know, in live action, certainly everybody agrees that, you know, if you don't have a good script, you don't have a good movie. And that's that's the way I look at animation too. I mean, I I don't you know, right. I wanted to have really unique character design, especially for this thirty minute one that we did. I spent months and months and months trying to find a an illustrator who could give me unique character design, and I think we ended up with a really great character design in, in this thirty minute one. It's a shame that we couldn't get it animated, but it's. I mean, I I just want to have a unique look, unique visuals, but all the unique visuals in the world are you know, are, are nothing unless you have, you know, the good stories and good scripts. Exactly. So, yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know. That's, I, I approach it from, I'm a writer, you know, if, if I'm any kind of an artist, it's that I'm a, I'm a writer. Writer and first. I, yeah. yeah. Writer first. And, you know, and I just, I guess I just go from there, but I, I, yeah, I don't really know a whole lot of, of animated stuff. I really don't. Awesome. Yeah. Well, and that's fine. There's no right or wrong answer to that. I find it fast. Everyone has a different path yeah. to whatever they're involved with in, in animation. Yeah. So let's move on to our penultimate segment, 
Okay. Is where I always ask everyone for advice. So what advice would you give to someone who has an idea for an animated show and doesn't know anything about the animation industry? Oh, well, that's, I mean, I'm like the completely wrong person to ask because that's <laughs> what I am. I mean, I, 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 all I know is that in the year 2024, I think you have to assume that nobody is going to look at your stuff. Even if you get into Sundance, for example, before I started to do animated show, I was trying to do live action and trying to do a live action pilot and trying to get it into Sundance because I figured that was my only chance to get anybody to look at it. But I read, I started to read the reviews of Sundance. This was in like 2017. And the reviews of Sundance and like the trade magazines were already saying that in 2017, people had stopped going to Sundance. Even the, the studios and networks had stopped going to Sundance. And the reason, frankly, is that the stuff wasn't viable. The stuff getting into Sundance wasn't viable. They weren't going to buy any of it. And so they had stopped going. So the point is, even if you make something and you get it into the Sundance Film Festival, it, you, you're, nobody's going to see it anyway. So to me, that's what you're looking at in, in this climate. And in, in certainly in 2024, I don't know. I'm, I, I'm, a, I'm a pessimist. I admit it. But I don't know how else to get through. If you don't have any connections, I, I don't know how to do it unless you can make a feature and somehow sell a feature. Or you can get through and get an agent somehow by acting or doing stand-up comedy. I mean, I don't know how else to do it because you can't get anywhere unless you have an agent and you can't get an agent unless you're already working. So I don't know how to do it. I mean, I really am the wrong person to ask for this because I'm just trying to get an agent however I can. And if I can't get an agent, I, I have a great show. But if I don't get an agent, I don't think I'm going to get my show set up. Hmm. So I, I'm like the biggest pessimist in the world and I'm, <laughs> I'm the worst person to ask for advice because... I really don't even know. I mean, I, it, it's, it's become such an impenetrable fortress that it's terrible. I mean, you and nobody, people say people, there's a myth that, you know, people are looking for stuff on YouTube or something. I don't think anybody's looking for anything on YouTube. I mean, Mr. Beast would have his own show on HBO, you know, or, or PewDiePie would have his own show and, they, you know, but they're not getting their own shows. I mean, I don't think there's any way to get through if you're, unless I, maybe you could, if you could do it on YouTube, just do your own thing on YouTube, if you can do it. But I mean, I, I'm not exactly the uh, the most optimistic guest that you've ever had, I think. So to sum it up with a Simpsons quote, yeah. well, boy, you tried your best and you failed. The lesson is never try. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. I would say, Frank, I would say really, if if you can do, I mean, I, I have seen some stuff on YouTube that's very simple animation that it gets through and people watch it on YouTube. Right. And if you can do that with a very, very, very simple animation style, then if, if that's your style, then do it. Because and I don't know if you get it, you know, because then it's the story that matters. It's not the animation style. And then right. you get that through, then you can people like the story enough, then they can say, hey, let's take that story and animate it better. <laughs> right. Right. And I think I think there was one thing on YouTube that I, I I can't remember what it's called now, but I saw something that said that some one of these YouTube shows, the animated shows had actually gotten uh, picked up by Hulu or something. And they were making a feature of it or they were making a series of it on Hulu or something like that. But I mean, it took this guy like, I don't know how long, like 10 years to do it on YouTube, you know, and it finally got discovered and, and it's going to be on Hulu or something. But I, I don't know, you know, if you're just trying to write or make art and have it be discovered so that somebody's going to give you more money to do it in the studio system or the network system. I don't know how to I mean, you, I, you have to get an agent somehow 
And I don't, I don't know what the path is to do that because it, there used to be a better path. It used to be that you could actually get people to look at stuff and you just can't get anybody to look at anything anymore. So I don't really know. I mean, I just kind of winging it myself. But you're still doing it. You're still out putting it out there and, and trying. And, I, I suppose. And if you don't try, there's no, you're guaranteed to fail. So. That's correct. That's correct. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, Adam, I wish we could keep going here. We are way over time. Oh, are we? Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm kind of yeah. long-winded. I, it's the thing is, if uh, you get me started, <laughs> if you get me started, I like I'll talk your ear off. You know, it's fine. No, but before we go, go ahead and shout out any social media, your website. Where can we find info on Hunk and Grody? Well, the only place would be my website, Mike Smolev, S-M-O-L-E-V, uh, MikeSmolev.com. That's all. I don't have any social media or anything. Great. So yeah. go to MikeSmolev.com. Thank you, Mike, so much for joining us. And thank you all out there for listening. This has been another episode of Inside Animation. <laughs>